Aloha and welcome to episode nine of the Public Art Podcast. Today I was joined by the Center for Emerging Media Design and Development, also known as the EMDD cohort out of Ball State University, which is in Indiana. A small town big art and Maui Public Art Corps partnered with this uh, graduate school cohort for the past nine to ten months to create a project entitled Small Town Big Stories. And this is a tool that was designed to continually create and collect stories from our Maui community that will become the basis of future RFPs, a request for proposals for artists to use as the basis for their public art project um, applications. So we hope you enjoy and we encourage you to visit the project webpage at smalltownbig.org slash smalltownbigstories. Please enjoy. Good morning, Ball State University. How's everybody doing today? Great, how are you? Happy to be here. I'm a terrible uh, leader. I asked everybody to mute their microphones before we started. So there was total silence when I just said, how's everybody doing? But um, we're doing a first for Small Town Big Art here, which is um, hosting a podcast with six different individuals simultaneously. So I am very excited that you're joining us for our very first sixth, sixth tuplet sextet podcast. Um, and we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about small town big stories today. Um, before we jump in, I would love to do a round of introductions with each of the individuals that we have on this podcast, vodcast right now. And I'll just call you each by name and I'd love to hear who you are, where you're from, where you currently reside, um, and either your occupation or your area of interest, because I know you're all just about to complete grad school. So that might look a little bit different for each of you. So I'd love to start with your fearless leader, Mr. Kevin Maloney. Wow, fearless is what I need for this, because you know, who, who doesn't just love being on a recorded podcast? Um, so I'm Kevin Maloney. I am a professor in the Center for Emerging Media Design and Development at Ball State University. That's a handful. Uh, that's a mouthful. Um, you asked originally where I'm from. I'm a Colorado boy through and through. My family's been there for about 400 years, remarkably. And uh, somehow I managed to find my way to Indiana, particularly for this job, working with teams of students like this. So that's me. That's beautiful. Um, moving on to Penelope. Yes, hi, um, I'm Penelope. I am originally from Maui. Um, I've been going through this program here and I'm interested in going into user experience research and figuring out how things work and how to make them work better. And one thing that you neglected to mention is you've been living in South Korea for the past X number of months or years. Yes. So this was a very big change for you, wasn't it, Penelope? Yeah, I was in Korea for about four years. Husband is there with our dog. And um, for the duration of this project, I moved back home to Maui and lived with my mom and <laughs> did everything we needed to do um, that had to be done in person. Beautiful. We were so lucky to have you back here. Michaela, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. 
Yeah, my name is Michaela, and I am from a really, really small town in Ohio, um, but I currently reside in Muncie. I've been here since I started my undergraduate degree um, in 2016, and um, I am going into the world of user experience design, much like Penelope, so all exciting. Ashley, would you mind taking over while Erin addresses her sound? Yes, of course. Um, hi, I'm Ashley Goodrich. I am from central Indiana, a small town called Tipton. And uh, right now I reside in Sharpsville, um, which is 15 minutes away from there, still in the same county. Um, but looking forward to graduating this May, and I will be um, looking for a um, a job in the field of UX research and prototype development. Currently, I am an art teacher, and I've been doing that for 10 years, but looking forward to this next step in life. Super exciting. All of this talent flooding the universe right now. Erin, were we able to address your microphone? Ugh, we weren't. What a bummer. Okay. We are gonna we're gonna move forward, Erin, and just maybe if you log off and log back on, we'll try our best to snip it this piece out. Um, well, maybe we should make up some stuff about her. While yeah, <laughs> that sounds a little bit easier. Does somebody want to introduce Erin on behalf of Erin? No, I can introduce Erin. Um, so it's Erin Sawyers, and she is a graphic design teacher at Ivy Tech. And um, I know that she is um, really interested in um, like the design aspect of um, our degree, and um, she also likes UX research and testing. And um, but she's an excellent graphic designer, mom of two girls, and um, she's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'd love to understand from your perspective, um, and maybe we'll start with Ashley, what is transmedia storytelling? How can we help other people that are just learning about this terminology understand it really succinctly? So transmedia storytelling is basically, it's cross-platform storytelling. So you're telling stories and, um, you know, and like television shows or movies or um, social media or um, books, magazines. It's all of those different aspects of media. The best way that we're normally described um, from our professors is if you think of Marvel and how that has like that whole story world about it. Um, that's like a really, you know, good image of what transmedia is. That's helpful. Um, Kevin, any pieces that you want to contribute to that um, description from Ashley? Sure. I, I thought her description was lovely, which makes me proud as her professor that, you know, the lesson got through. But uh, um, one way I like to think about it is that, you know, throughout history, a good story has just found any and every path to reach us. It's kind of like water flowing downhill that it will find a channel and a medium to be told so that it lands in your hands. And transmedia storytelling is kind of designing stories to do that from the start. So we look at all of the different places we can tell a story and we put pieces of each story in all of those places so you can connect them in your 
physical presence, you can connect them in digital spaces and, and in more traditional media spaces. That's really helpful. And the more I spoke to Penelope um, as we worked together, we spoke pretty regularly throughout the last nine months um, because she was kind of the local liaison with the entire cohort that was working on this graduate school pro project. The more I had to kind of um, refocus my jargon growing up with marketing and community engagement. And I kept adopting different terminology that she was learning um, and assigning it to the terminology that I had learned throughout the last 20 or 30 years. So it was really fascinating and um, you know, exciting to learn how much this has developed over time. So um, I'm really excited that more people will start to become more familiar with this new terminology as we move forward. Um, I'd love to know maybe from each of you, and we'll start with Michaela, what drew you to small town big art? So beyond maybe Penelope finding it because she's a Maui girl and, and heard about it through maybe local outlets, what drew you to the concept and idea once it was pitched to you? So as for the organization of small town big art, I really, really liked how we often had similar goals, um, you know, storytelling and community and, you know, enforcing the history of it as well. Um, which was really, really cool. And then I also really liked how small town big art was so open to other, other mediums and other ideas for storytelling. And so that's really what drew me in. I saw you guys' amazing murals and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a, that's great. I absolutely love that. But equally, I was just as excited to have the flexibility to do storytelling in other ways. Penelope, I know I've asked you before, and we have it on record, but we have not asked you on a podcast before. What drew you to Small Town Big Art? Yes. Um, what drew me to Small Town Big Art was a wild goose hunt to find Cecilia Farm. <laughs> no, um, I had obviously seen the murals in Wailuku Town and heard about them through social media because they actually went up while I was still in Korea. So, um, I vaguely knew about an organization that had been been doing murals in Wailuku, but in talking with Ashley about proposing this project, it was really, really important for me to find someone who was a strong leader in on Maui and knew a lot about the cultural um, and historical information that we would need in a leader to do a project like this, and also someone that was very community-minded and um i came across small town big art almost serendipitously and i saw that Sissy lake farm was on the board i saw that someone on the county was on the board that the projects were um community focused and as soon as i talked to you like i've said before um it was just a perfect match i too um am completely flabbergasted by Sissy's wizardry. <laughs> so we are equally um, in awe of her community leadership and level of aloha that she brings to the project. And um, obviously the sense of place and history and cultural cues that she's able to integrate so seamlessly into each project. Um, it's incredible to have her partnership. Ashley, what, what was it for you that made you want to dive into this nine-month-long project besides Small Town Big Art? 
Well, um, Penelope and I had actually worked on a project um, previous to the Small Town Big Art Project where it was focused in Eau Valley and um, learning about like the different like culture and the his the rich history and just the Hawaiian way was so fascinating to me and it's just something that I wanted to learn more about and like become a part of and so um, when she had mentioned about like maybe pitching this project and I was like yes we have to we have to do that because you know just that one semester wasn't enough time we needed more time I felt to be able to dive into something deeper so that's what led me there. And I'm curious, Kevin, if this is something, I know it wasn't a decision that you made, right? Um, you are the fearless leader, right? You're kind of the, the person that is there to nurture these students and ensure that they're on the right track and maybe help them with pivot points. But I am curious if you have your own, um, your own opinion and thoughts and ideas about small town big art. Yeah, well, part of our process is that, you know, when the students reach their second year of the program, we find project partners for them to work with closely over that nine months. And our partners range from David Letterman to, you know, a Holocaust Museum at a Hebrew Academy in Indianapolis to Small Town Big Art, for example. We've done a variety of things. And the faculty usually bring two, three, four ideas to the students in a pitch meeting in the spring, but we also open that up for students to pitch projects. And Ashley and Penelope had such a good time focusing their attention in a prior class on Maui and the Yao Valley that uh, that they, they pitched a project around Wailuku that was a little vague at the time still and drew the interest of their classmates, uh, a sizable number of their classmates. Part of that could be that, you know, Maui is always compelling, but uh, but I think it was also about the opportunity to tell stories about community that was new and interesting. And then along the way, Penelope reached out and gleefully notified me that she had met with you and discovered what a great, you know, partnership this could be. And, and, and we moved forward from there. And I have to say, um... This process has also been incredibly educational and informative for me as the person that's kind of designing the program since day one. It really helps with different frames of reference and um, getting the language more succinct and also identifying new opportunities for partnerships and different directions that this can go in. So I thank you and I thank this crew before we even dive into the, the rest of this conversation. I'd love to, to have um, maybe Michaela clearly explain the goal of the experience that you ultimately created and what's entailed in that experience. There's lots of, there are, there's a lot of content, right? And different activities and um, different questions. And I know that there was so much work that was put into this. And I'm being asked a lot now since folks met you on April 1st, when does the app come out? I'm trying to explain to them that it's not an app. So can you succinctly tell us what this is and what was entailed? Yeah, of course. So when we were, first of all, I'm excited that people are so excited about this experience. Um, but the main focus of our goal and the main focus of our project was um, to enhance the sense of community through storytelling in Waluku. 
Um, and we came across that goal through interviewing, you know, local people um, and understanding, you know, where their wants and where their needs are and really shaping the project around what their, where their thoughts were and what they wanted and what they would like to see, um, which is really, um, we created an experience to give people a modern way to practice tradition um, and a platform to share their stories. So basically what it is, is there's these cards that are placed around Maluku and then you can scan a QR code and it'll give you this digital experience. So it's a website. It's not an app, it is a website. Um, and so with these webs, with this website, there are three different options. So the talk option, there's a little button that says talk on it. Um, it encourages people to talk amongst themselves, talk with their family members, their friends, whoever they're with, and just talk story and bring up a conversation with them. And so basically what it is, is you can, you can um, scroll through different prompts and ask those around you those questions to um, really initiate those stories. We really hope those stories go beyond those prompts and it just encourages more and more people to talk story with those they're around. Um, and then the go, there's a go section of this experience as well where people can actually physically go to a spot in Waluku or in Maui and listen to a story from a community member about that location. And so that's really, really, you can actually physically be in the location and listen to the story about that that particular spot. And then the last the last part of this experience is the create section. And so that create section allows people to share their stories with Small Town Big Art and also with their community. So they can scroll through other community members' stories and submit their own through various options like recording their voices, uploading a photo if you don't want to write anything or um, or talk talk your story out in an audio clip, or you can actually write out your story and submit it that way. So there are so many different options and we encourage um, everyone to talk story through this experience. Right on. So what I heard is there's a deck of cards it's going to be distributed throughout Market Street, throughout Wailuku Town, and within this deck of cards are storytelling prompts, right? That are divided into talk, go, and create activities. So I'd love to hear, Penelope, a couple of examples of talk, go, and create. Yeah. Um, so for talk, one of the examples that we have to start you off is to name a, a few things that you like about yourself. So that's one example to kind of ease you into um, to getting into the deeper storytelling um, questions. And then for Go, one of the places that we have um, outlined for people to visit is Wells Park. And we have uploaded a story from Auntie Wallet which tells about her time um, living on Wall Street and, and what happened to their house and going to her grandma's house and the smells. And um, it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And then for the create, um, I don't have a specific um, example of this yet because, well, because we haven't released it yet. And, and this space is meant for people to submit their own stories, right? So until people submit their stories, we're, we're just kind of waiting to hear what, what people have to say, but you will be able to see community stories and submit your own. 
That's great. And um, on the evening that this cohort who flew into Maui from all over the world um, to, to meet at Eau Theater and present this project, this graduate school project to our community, we also, um, we also premiered six short animated films that were based off of conversations, talk story animations, we called them. And so people have also been asking me, is what the cohort created for their graduate school project going to turn into public art for small town big art? And my response is hopefully, right? I mean, there's no guarantee because um, the way our program works is that we put out an RFP, right? We put out a request for proposals and then we hope and pray and cross our fingers that professional artists apply for the opportunity to create a public work of art in concert with our community. And now the hope is that these stories that you're helping us collect for Wailuku and beyond, right? We're kind of making sure that this is all inclusive of Maui as we move forward. Um, will become those stories that ultimately artists can choose from and base a work of public art off of. So Ashley, I'd love to hear um, from you regarding the night that we were all at Eau Theater and you presented this project and also got to watch maybe what the future of this project might hold, right? Some of these animated um, features based on talk story discussions. How that went for you? What did you think of the artwork? And you know, is this something that you feel could be a reality for the future of your project? Yes, um, definitely. I absolutely loved watching each and every one of those talk story animations. They were all beautiful, like in their own way and deeply touching. It was um, very neat to experience like a personal moment. Um, it felt like you were part of that that conversation and like you were part of that world. Um, and just, it was very personal and close, um, intimate conversation. And so, um, listening to each of them, I mean, they were just amazing. My, my favorite would have to be, um, Sissy Lake Farms, um, telling of how she got her name and the meaning of her name. And, um, that story just gives me chills every time that I listen to it. Um, knowing that, like, her family is connected to Eow and her name was rooted at Eow and, um, and then just how, like, she told about the, the meaning of her name, the lady of the cold, piercing wind, and hearing about the wind that swept through taking off the roofs, like, when she was born in March of 69, and it just gave me chills, like, just to hear that, you know, like, they talked about it being, like, stamped in her DNA that that was supposed to be you know, her name, and it's like, you know, obviously it was meant to be, and I mean, just the few times I've met Sissy um, over Zoom, and then also being able to meet her in person, I mean, she's a force of nature in her spirit and her personality and the way she talks story, and so um, I was just lucky to be able to hear, like, this amazing story and, and to be able to hear all of the amazing stories and see these, like, for the first time there in EL Theater of all places. Holy moly, we have a sissy fan club. Welcome to my world, everybody. <laughs> it was a beautiful animation and Richard and his team nailed it on that one. And they were all so different. And I wonder, Kevin, um, if you had an opportunity to view those animations as, a, as an outsider, as someone that wasn't able to come to Wailuku with your students and watch these films, how that felt from somebody looking at them objectively or if you preferred one or felt, you know, if you felt included. 
I have caught snippets of them as I've caught, you know, caught up with what my students were doing out there, which was wonderful stuff. And the art overall in the project, you know, from top to bottom, from the buildings to the animations has just blown me away. It's stunning professional work that is beautiful and touching and storytelling everywhere. And I'm really fascinated by it. And with the animations, I like the brevity and the elegance of an animation overall because they allow your brain to attach new ideas and your own experience into the story as well, where more realistic video and live action, you know, don't afford you that opportunity. So that's one of my favorite things about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting talking to some folks afterwards because they were all so different just like the stories are all so different, right? And we're not trying to put too much pressure on our community. And this is something Penelope and I have talked about a lot, right? The vulnerability of sharing a story, the thought that what do I have to say that's important? Or the question of what are you gonna do with my words? What are you gonna do with my history, right? And so seeing the art that comes out of it as a representation of maybe a really abstract, beautiful work of impressionistic art versus a, a work of really representational, like the one Ashley's talking about with Sissy and Auntie Gordine, was really fascinating because we seem to go through this journey of not only different types of art, which is something that small town big art is highly focused on, but also different ways of connecting, right, with, uh, with individuals. Some of these people have never sat in a room together, right? We just knew that they were our unicorns, right? We picked people that were really special to each of us and that had a really firm grasp on the work that they're doing um, and put them in a room together. And so it was a big risk. And we hope that um, this beautiful tool that you've created for us and is really making it so easy, right? With these prompts, either they're sounds or photographs or kind of like dares. I feel like it's a game of truth or dare, right? I dare you to go to Eau Valley right now and start a conversation with a stranger. Go, right? <laughs> or truth, what do you love about yourself, right? It could be really fun. Um, Michaela, how did Eau go for you? What was that experience like for you sharing this um, project? Of course, we just lost you, darn. Um, I will try just in case your voice is still there. But um, again, you know, someone from out of town studying Wailuku for a year straight, um, devoting a huge part of your academic life to this project. How did that night go for you? Oh, yeah. So EL Theater was honestly amazing. It was so awesome to see all of the community members coming together um, to, you know, learn about stories and storytelling and um, learn about our project and also seeing people um, so pumped about talking story and pumped about our project and the Small Town Big Stories project in, in general with all the animations and how awesome and cool they were. It was so, so exciting for me just to see everyone else so excited. Um, and I really, really enjoyed li listening and watching all of the cool animated um, story. I really, really liked the one. I think it had Wallet's story about Wall, Wall Street, um, and I really loved the art with and how it turned an old photograph into art, and it was really emphasizing the um, the old feel and, and how buildings used to look, and you know the history of Waluku. And it really reminded me that you know there's 
there's a history everywhere and and the history of each place and how fun those stories can be told um in a new way so i really really love that it reminded me of you know conversations with my grandpa and it really shows how talk story can completely um, bring up memories of your own stories and how stories can build off each other and you can constantly like hear a story and then think of another story and another memory and I just love that and so the entire time I was in EL that's everything that I could think about is you know how these stories are constantly rippling off each other and how we can always tell stories and collect stories and yeah. I'll start this next question with Penelope but I am curious to hear from others in the group right so the whole way through, I'm thinking uh, seven eighths of this cohort are not from Maui, right? And we are the most isolated place on planet Earth. Um, so I wonder, um, Penelope, how that went for you, right? Um, trying to share your hometown and home culture with this cohort. And then I'm gonna ask some of the other folks in the room how that went for them. So let's hear it, Penelope. Yes, um, yeah, what an experience it was. Um, I definitely had like a lot of anxiety around it because as someone from Maui, I understand how we feel when outsiders are brought in um, to tell us something about ourselves or make something for us, you know, um, and, and how many ways that's gone wrong in the past. So I had a lot of anxiety about it. I had a lot of conversations with Kevin about it before the project even started. And he assured me that like we lean really heavy into the community um, conversations, the community research, the interviews, that type of thing. Um, and that like, you know, helped my anxiety a little bit. <laughs> but um, it at times like my classmates, you know, they're they were so patient and like really really concerned about being respectful and you know learning as much as they could about the place but there's only so much you can do without actually being there without actually having the experience you know so um it felt really heavy sometimes to be the spokesperson for for maui <laughs> because i don't feel like i have that right at all um like i'm just one person and i'm howley and you know there's so many different things going on there so that was a very uncomfortable place for me to sit, but really in the end of everything, what got us through it were those community interviews because we weren't going based off what I said and we weren't going based off what we thought we were going off of the conversations that we were having with community members. And then we'd make something and then we'd ask them like, oh, what do you think? And they'd be like, okay, well, I like this. Oh, I don't understand this. And then we'd change it and then go back and make another prototype. and went through that process and so at the at the end i'm really proud of what we did um even with half our team being across the world everything was rooted in what the community members had to say right at the end of the day what we are are professional facilitators right with a very deep seated passion for the subject matter right so it's really important that we are like you said listening to the community members and trying to balance the, the level of feedback that you're getting identifying trends and gaps in the data and then taking it from there yeah um kevin what was that like for you um guiding penelope and then guiding the rest of the crew 
I just want, I can't imagine this didn't come up a couple of different times, right? That these people are so devoted to a project in a place they've either never been or might not get to until the final moments of this project delivery. You know, normally our projects are, are pretty local and that's because it's really valuable to work face-to-face -face often with the partners or the participants or the end users of what we're designing. <clears throat> and that's a really important aspect of a lot of the work we do. So when uh, Penelope and Ashley pitched this project initially, I had a I had a think about it because you know it would require some pretty close contact. And fortunately, Penelope was planning on being there in Maui for most of the duration of the pro of the project, having left behind her new husband and her dog in Korea to do it, which is pretty great dedication. Um, she gets a gold star in class for that one. But uh, you know, every member of the team has been extraordinarily valuable to this project and of equal importance. So they just take on different roles, whether that is shepherding the development of the technology through with the developers and making sure it functions and getting cards printed, et cetera, as Michaela has done, or whether it's doing graphic design work and just very careful cultural thought the way Ashley has done, they all have very important roles, and Penelope's most important role was being the voice of Maui in our meetings and in our conversations, and she did a, a spectacular job of that. And one thing I have to uh, let everybody know is that this is the second time Penelope has been my student. She was originally my photojournalism student at the University of Colorado a year or two ago, and, uh, um, you know, we how we we start that process of making telling photographs in a, in a lot of the same place that we do start these projects too with empathy and with real care for the subjects that you're you're uh, you're you know you're telling stories about and that's the only way it can really work and she brought that to bear uh in making sure that the stories of the participants and the story of Wailuku and Maui were told with with great care through this whole process. Such a supportive professor you ladies have. You lucky, lucky ladies. Um, Ashley, I'd love to um, ask you the same question, just to get a different perspective from someone within the cohort that um, had never been to, to Maui, I'm just going to ask or you know assume, but I'd love to hear your feedback on that piece of this puzzle. Yes. Um, yeah, I had never been to Maui. In fact, um, as far as I can remember, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Like I've always wanted to I've learned about the culture. Um, and it was really important to um, my mom growing up. Like she's been to all, um, she's been to 48 states except for Hawaii and Alaska. And so she had always, you know, talked about like how she would love to travel to Hawaii. And so we would plan this like future trip all the time. We like, talk about what we would do and see. And so it was just that, like having that connection already, like, and to having studied it. And then also um, doing the project with Penelope um, before this and how we had studied um, Yeah, I was like, you know, I have to make it there. <laughs> I have to go. So, but um, being from like my hometown is kind of similar um, to Maui. It's, I'm from like a small farming community. 
Um, it's very much like the main street in Tipton is kind of like Market Street um, in Wailuku and where you go into, you know, different shops and restaurants and they know you by name. They're happy to see you. And so um, being there and seeing like that sense of community um, while I was in Wailuku, it just um, made me feel at home. And it was just a beautiful thing to see. And so um, just how close that community is. And then um, it just drew me to, you know, wanting to work, you know, on this project and just be there even more. And, and it was just amazing to finally, like, see that, you know, after working on this for so many months, be able to finally be there in that project space. It was just like a uh, full circle, you know, like of completion. It just felt amazing to be able to experience that. This is a perfect segue to our next question. So I'd love to hear from each of you, and Kevin, you're not excluded. What do you love about Wailuku? Michaela, we're gonna start with you. So what I love about Wailuku. So immediately going into Wailuku, it reminded me small town feel. It was very, very cute. All the little shops, um, the coffee shops and the art, stores and all of those pieces put together just give, gave me a really big community feel, um, which I really enjoyed, um, much like actually I'm from a really small town. So, you know, anywhere where I can see, you know, communities coming together and, um, and building, you know, that sense of community within their towns is wonderful. And that's really what I loved about Waluku as well as all of the art, um, the murals, the art that you see in the stores and all of that, all that creativity just spruced about was um, really cool to see. So that would be my favorite part about the Luluku. Correct answer. Okay, Penelope, what is it that you love about Wailuku? Yeah, I was just thinking as Michaela was talking how what I love about Wailuku has almost like evolved over the course of this project, you know, um, like it, it gives me a sense of home. It, it brings back memories of being a child and going to Iao and jumping around in the stream and having birthday parties in the pavilions and and coming back down for a Stillwell's pastry. <laughs> um, but as we've worked on this project, too, like it's it's a home that still exists and is constantly evolving, you know, like it's not a town that's like stuck in the past. Um, but it's a town that is growing and has artists and food and, um, you know, fun bars that are opening up and, you know, it's alive, but it still has been able to maintain that feeling of home. And, and I really love and appreciate that about my local. Kevin, did you figure out something that you loved about Wailuku throughout this process? Oh, I, it took me about, you know, a tenth of a second to decide that. <clears throat> so what I love about Wailuku is the generosity, the patience, and the welcome that the community has offered my band of students in their research and in their prototyping and in their constant pesky questions and wanting to stick cards on restaurant tables and then ask people about stuff again and Zoom with them all the time. The generosity has been fantastic. But probably the biggest thing I love about Wailuku is the, the, the trip I'm going to make to go and be there myself. 
future trip. We cannot wait for you to come. We will be very excited to meet you face-to-face, Kevin. Ashley, what do you love about Wailuku? Um, There's so many different aspects that I love about Wailuku, but the thing that I love the most is the people, the community. Like, just being there, like, we were automatically, like, just welcomed, and we didn't feel like an outsider or a tourist, you know, um, like you do in a lot of places when you go and visit um, different, like, tourist hubs, but it was just nice to see that we were, like, so accepted by the community and just so welcomed and um everybody was so friendly like no matter where we went when we did testing at like Wailuku Coffee Company and 62 Market um and just how everybody was you know they they took care of us I felt like and even it was so nice to be able to like meet Bailey like she stopped by Wailuku Coffee Company and um talked with us and just being able to meet the people that we had like done Zoom calls with and um, being able to finally connect with them and just seeing like how close knit this community is and seeing the love for one another, another, it was just, uh, you know, it was the most important part of the whole thing. I really appreciate it. Um, I have to ask every single guest on the public art podcast, why public art is important. And for each of you, I'm also going to add why is storytelling important? Because I think the two go hand in hand and it's the direction that we're going in with this thing. So Michaela, if you would like to get us started, why is public art important? Why is storytelling important? So both storytelling and public art allow you to, you know, express, you know, your feelings in your life in the stories that you have and um, it's so important to share what you what you know and what you're feeling and, you know, the stories that you have with others, because otherwise, you know, where is it going to go? And, you know, stories and art also impact. A, a, it's a rippling effect. So if you tell a story, you are going to encourage other people to tell a story. And if you put out public art, then you're going to encourage other people to share their stories and um, maybe put out art of their own. And so I really think that public art and storytelling in general um, are just great ways to express your feelings and express your stories and your history um, and encourage other people to do so as well. Thank you. Penelope, what do you think? Yeah, um, this might be like a somewhat simplistic answer, but I feel like it's just pleasant you know like it just makes you feel good public art you see it and you're like wow that's beautiful and you can learn from it like I learned so much about the Oopu just from the work that small town big art has done and it, not only does it look beautiful but I've learned about a fish that is in the Wailuku river that's really important to the ecosystem you know so um and that's the same thing with storytelling like it's pleasant it's good to like hear stories from the people you love it feels good to talk story with people and then you're also you can learn like beautiful things um about places about people about the people that you love about the history and about the future even you know so um that's my answer that was really beautiful penelope thank you Ashley, why do you think public art is important and storytelling as well? 
Yes, public art and storytelling, um, I think, is a, a beautiful form of self-expression and a community expression. And it's so important because you get to see what the community values and you get a sense of um, who the community is and just by viewing the art as you go through the town. Um, you can tell that Wailuku values like its heritage, cultures, traditions, ancestors, oral stories, just by viewing the murals on the walls. And um, it's important for kids to see this, like being in their town, for kids to be growing up with this art around them because it gives them a value of art. And so it's ingrained in them from as a child, which a lot of people, um, I feel like they lose like how important art and storytelling is and like, um, you know, language arts and the fine arts, um, they lose that. And so just having this as a child ingrained in them already will just help them grow up to have this great appreciation and respect for art um, and for storytelling and for their, you know, for their culture and their, their ancestors. Um, and it's just, I mean, it makes people happy. It brings about happiness. It shows um, beauty in the world and it, it carries on, you know, the history and leaves like a lasting impression. All of those um, stories that are brought about and um, the murals and all of the artwork around there. It's just amazing, very important. I love how your responses are all so cathartic um, and meaningful as a grant writer and as the person that does this all day, every day. I'm trained now to talk about the economic and social and health benefits, right? Because um, that's how we get these things funded. So it's such a beautiful moment to share with you just to talk about the real why, right? The real why that gets us involved in the first place. Um, Kevin, let's hear from you. What do you think, what are your thoughts on the, the value of public art and of storytelling? Uh, you know, I really love how public art radiates its creativity and its metaphor and its identity building for a community onto everything that happens to be around it, whether that's just a, a simple cinder block storefront nearby or another impressive piece of architectural art, it all just expands and kind of radiates outward in a, in a delightful way. And as far as stories go, you know, I, I, I say a lot to my students that stories are practice for life, that when we hear a story, we get to, we get to you know, live those experiences through someone else's eyes, and that helps us build up our own skills for living. And, so, so stories are everywhere and they're extraordinarily important in, in how we function. Um, I'm gonna ask a bonus question right now because I feel so compelled and maybe like one of you guys have already thought of this to have a bloopers reel. Like I just think about the like tireless hours you've put into all of this, the great ideas that had to go in the garbage, the late nights, and I just want to hear a story. I want to hear a story from one or more of you about this process. Was there a, a funny night or something ridiculous that happened on Maui or like a terrible fight that you had throughout all of this? And I'm just going to ask someone to raise their hand. I'm not going to call your name, but I want to hear a story about small town big stories. So I have one for you. At the beginning of the process, we, you know, meet all together in Fishers, Indiana for a workshop where 
the students gather, even though they're scattered around the world, they gather for four days to work together and to build relationships and build bonds among themselves so that they can function effectively in remote learning beyond that. And we were probably three quarters of the way through our first workshop and getting to know each other well and gearing up for this project. And we were terribly excited about it. But I got up on that Sunday morning or that Saturday morning and hopped on my bicycle to go for a ride. And I caught a patch of wet leaves with my front wheel and slammed into the ground so hard I broke my leg in two places. So I had to miss the rest of the workshop because I was a broken, shattered man and a shadow of myself briefly. But, you know, these guys pulled it all together and 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 toughed it out without me and got the got the project organized just as well as if I, I had been there myself in person. And they sent me a really great card with lots of sympathy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to hear that. You broke your professor, people. Both <laughs> on Big Stories broke Kevin Maloney. That's terrible news. Does anybody else want to share a story? Do you want to? Yes. Yay, Ashley, please do. Yes, Aaron um, reminded me of a good one. Actually, well, in addition to a broken leg, while we were there um, on Maui, um, one of the other team members, Raquel and myself actually had injuries while we were there in Maui. So we're just, our whole team is falling apart. But by my injury was we were in Eel Valley and we were hiking and I hit a patch of like wet dirt and rocks and did like a softball slide into home plate there and um, cut my leg and, um, and then twisted my, my foot. And then the very next day, another girl, she, was uh, injured in surfing incident. And so I think Penelope was just trying to get all of us hurt, you know, while we were there or something. <laughs> but um, she uh, cut her foot when she was surfing. And so we were hobbling around for a few days while we were there in, uh, on Maui and then Wailuku and stuff. But we were still happy to be there. And then, of course, we were like, you know, if it leaves a scar, then at least we'll be like, this is from that time I was, you know, in Maui working on that project in Wailuku. So it has a great story behind it. So you know, battle wounds, I'm okay with. <laughs> battle wounds. I love it. In Eau Valley, how apropos. It's perfect, Ashley. Um, Michaela or Penelope, do you want to share a story? No pressure. We've gotten a few. I feel very fortunate. Yes? I think um, one of the, like, bloopers, I guess, that we had that, like, sticks out to me the most, and maybe it's because I was so opinionated about how I felt about it. <laughs> was um and I also just want to give an idea of like how many ideas we really went through before we settled on this one but there was a recipe book that our cohort or our group was pretty excited about for a while and I just I mean I held my tongue but I hated the idea I really did but so many of my classmates like they loved it they thought it was amazing and it would have been amazing if that's what we would have gone with but um I mean if you think about a recipe book as one of our bigger ideas and then what we got to really shows like how much you know iterations of what we did and what we went through now it is the time for closing comments because we are rounding up on an hour already which is bananas so you can all feel free to unmute and i would just love to hear any final comments that you'd like to share about small town big stories. I mean, what happens now? People keep asking me. All of these people are graduating. 
what happens or what was it like or how's it going to feel to now graduate and not be, you know, not have your hands on this project anymore. I'm just really curious for any of these closing thoughts from each of you. Um, I don't have an answer to, to what you just said specifically, but I did want to say before we wrap this up um, how grateful I am for all the work that you put in Kelly and all the time that you put into this project and what an amazing project partner you've been. Like you've given us the opportunity to create this thing that we've made and um, it's been a really, really great relationship and I just wanted to thank you on the record. <laughs> Definitely, uh, the pleasure was all mine, Penelope absolutely mind-boggling and i don't know if any of you have had the experience i'm sure kevin has had it many times people from clear across the universe are adopting it and turning it into something 10 times cooler than you ever thought imaginable um this has been a beautifully um exciting enriching opportunity that i am eternally grateful for thank you Can say this whole experience has just been so amazing like i was talking with frankie one of the other teammates in our project when we were there and we were both saying just how bittersweet it is like it's very you know sweet to finally see um everything like come to life and to be able to be releasing this and you know very shortly and then to have been there and be able to present and see the community and everything and then but it's just so bitter that it's coming to an end and we hope that you know this will um, continue to be carried on that, you know, that there can be like future iterations and different categories and, you know, questions and that can be um, developed and that people will continue to interact with this um, for, you know, hopefully many years to come. Um, but it's just a, a bittersweet ending. I'm so sorry. Um, I think with my Wi-Fi, it's hard because I can't see whenever people stop talking. Um, anyway, but I also want to go off of that. It's very bit of blood, sweat, tears, time into this project for the last year. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see it finally coming to life. Um, I think moving forward in, you know, the life of this project and what we want it to look like, you know, after we're gone is just, people in the community interacting with it and sharing it with their friends and their family and um, doing the activities, submitting their stories, um, or just talking story and really encouraging people to tell their stories with each other. Um, and if, if people do that, then I am so pumped um, of where this project, where this project landed. And I know that I can leave it on a good note and I'm excited to see the community interacting with it. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say is that University of Hawaii Chancellor's Office has already reached out to me asking how we update the questions for them, right? So there are definitely people taking an interest in expanding this and carrying it forward. And that's why I keep bringing the conversation back to, when is it mine, right? When can we, when can we wrap our little fingers around this and share it with the universe? Because the demand is there. You guys have created quite a stir in your time speaking with um, folks throughout Wailuku that I haven't even spoken to about small town big art and coming here in person and being brave enough to get on stage and saying, hey, I've never been here, but here's an idea based on who you are, right? Like that takes so much gumption and so much hard work. Um, Kevin, do you wanna share any closing thoughts? 
Sure. <clears throat> For one of these projects to work as well and as effectively and delightfully as this one has requires kind of a magical combination of things. And first is some really dedicated, really smart, really creative students like this batch uh, in particular, combined with a project partner that is engaged and communicative and willing to play with us in the sandbox, as well as really generous research and ideation and prototyping participants like we found among the community of Wailuku. So it's really a very magical sort of combination of, of things that have lined up perfectly and that doesn't happen every time. Thank you for using the word magical. I don't know if Penelope told you this, but um, we do use the word unicorn quite a bit within our little hui. And um, I cannot go to lunch with Erin and Sissy without giving or receiving some kind of unicorn present. So <laughs> it's become a thing with us and now the world knows. And you guys have become uh, eight, nine more of our unicorns, the eight member of the members of the cohort and their leader, Kevin Maloney. So um, small town, big stories. What an incredible addition to our Wailuku community and beyond to our Maui community. And as we um, make progress to not just work on small town big art in Wailuku, but work on Maui Public Art Corps, right, which is kind of the parent nonprofit throughout the county, um, we can only hope that we get to continue to work with you, Kevin, and your, your new students as time goes on. And with each of these graduates, as you guys get out into the world, we really hope that we can maintain some kind of partnership as we move forward. We want to make sure that the work that's happening here grows wings, right? And whether or not we're still a part of it, that um, these pieces of aloha or these stories or these, um, these descriptions of the sense of place here permeate out into the world because we think it's pretty damn special. So it's nice to know that it's getting out there. We really appreciate you all so much.